I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. It can't just be that we're happy to be here. Welcome back to The Front 3. Myself and Chris Hennage, your front two tonight. Um, a very important night. It's election night in the United States. I mean, we're recording the day before, Chris, so we don't actually know what, what's happened. We don't know who's won. But how are you feeling? Uh, I'm feeling nothing, actually, which I think is what scares me the most. Right, okay. So you're, you're numb to it, basically. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a great way to put it. Numb, numb to it because it's so hard to forecast a what will happen and then what will follow that. And I think it is that uncertainty that makes you almost paralysed emotionally. Well, I mean, speaking of which, on a day like today, it only feels appropriate to talk about the topic on everyone's lips, featuring controversial leaders, uh, demand for the return to the good old days and a volatile mood among the fan base. I am, of course, Chris, talking about Newcastle United. (laughs) We ain't going to score two and three goals every week. We'd love to, don't get me wrong. We'd love to be the entertainers again, but it's just not possible. As a fan, and I'm sure there are other fans who think this, he was a manager who no other club in the Premier League would have contemplated employing. And I think we're seeing the reality of that now. I don't think Steve Bruce is the man to take Newcastle United forward. We have to get that balance right of, yes, being difficult to beat, difficult to play against and give not much away and be more of a threat the other way. And that's what we've got to try and achieve if we can. Obviously, as a fan, it's a very painful and quite depressing watch and it's very easy to disengage from it because there is nothing to get excited about, even if we do have exciting players. Newcastle, Chris, right now they're 11th in the Premier League table. I mean, they're ahead of Leeds United, they're ahead of Crystal Palace, they're ahead of West Ham. I mean, what is there to complain about? Everything is coming up Millhouse on Tyneside, surely. Yeah, I I think that's been a lot of people's opinion based off the key numbers of points and what have you. But I just think for me, what is the most concerning aspect of this is he has been at the helm 18 months now and is still defining this project as a work in progress. He being Steve Bruce, of course, it was almost as if he could not be named uh, by you there. <laughs> yeah, Steve, Steve Bruce is still considering this to be a work in progress as a project. And 
I think what is frustrating is that no managerial appointment or no team is perfect. There is always room for improvement, scope for improvement. But when that is put to him, there is usually an excuse, and I emphasise the word excuse there, that disassociates his responsibility from the situation. And I think that makes it very difficult for a fan to get on board, um, at least for me to get on board, because it doesn't feel like an honest discourse. It feels like someone trying to protect their own reputation. I think, you know, Bruce has characterised those who have criticised him this season among Newcastle fans as a minority, a vocal minority is how he he's framing them. Um, but it is an interesting situation. As I say, they are 11th in the Premier League, two wins this season, most recently, of course, against Everton, uh, you know, the the unexpected league leaders at one point who are seen as, as challengers for the title, albeit having dipped in form, still an impressive win for Newcastle. However, when you look at the bigger picture, Newcastle do have the second worst form of any Premier League club since Christmas. They've only won six Premier League matches in the last 10 and a half months, three of which have been at home. And in 20 of these most recent 26 Premier League matches, Newcastle have either failed to score or have only scored one goal. So not only have the results not been there, over the long term, but also the football itself has been pretty tough to watch, should we say, Chris? Yeah, it has. And and you can go back as recently as Sunday against Everton, where they did win 2-1. I thought they played better in the second half. But if you look at that first 45 minutes, they didn't have a lot of the ball. And when they did, they were quick to give it away. And I think the theme I've noticed throughout his entire tenure is that they seem very reactive on the ball. And I appreciate what some people will say about his experience as a manager, what some pundits have said about his experience as a player. But I think for me, it's the more recent chapters of his managerial career that concern me. Things like in 2011, when he joked about, I don't really do tactics, pretty much just before he was let go by Sunderland. The way that Aston Villa fans characterise his time there with not a great deal of fondness. And... Even stories like Richie Delat, who was with him, I think, at Villa, who said that, yeah, you know, Steve would kind of just throw the ball in and let us play. There wasn't necessarily this hyper-detailed plan of action that we had to try and implement on the field. And I think my concern is, is okay, if, if that's not what his role in the staff is, then his coaches need to be doing that. Because I think sometimes we can be a little bit reductionist in terms of putting everything on the manager whereas I'm not against the idea of him being the liaison with the players who g's them up and serves a role as, as just a motivator but I, I don't necessarily see that I just see this very fragmented team that to be honest even now I don't think has an actual style I think they're good at counter-attacking but outside of that I don't see them enact it enough for me to think that's their plan and then also some of the hallmarks that fans of other clubs have talked about, like players getting injured a lot more often, him never taking responsibility when it goes wrong. It, it to me, feels like history repeating itself. And I think that's where a lot of the frustration lies. At the start of the season, there did seem to be some optimism. Obviously, some 
Very exciting signings such as Callum Wilson coming in from Bournemouth for 20 million, Jamal Lewis from Norwich at left back uh, for 15 million, and then some astute free transfers in Ryan Fraser and Jeff Hendrick. I mean, there did seem to be that, that positivity there. Has that kind of ebbed away now despite the, the decent start to the season because of what we've seen on the pitch? What is the sort of the general mood you feel among Newcastle fans and, and around the club? Well, I think I'm always hesitant to speak on behalf of them because, as with any fan base, it's a diverse set of opinions and you're never going to bottle up every single one. I think what I see among the people that I speak to is this frustration that what you alluded to there and talked about there was the summer was a good set of signings, Callum Wilson. To be honest, I started brilliantly. Ryan Fraser looked good at the weekend after, I think, a, a, a slow start just trying to get some fitness up. Jamal Lewis, another good young signing, addressed an issue in the squad. And Hendrick, who I think actually is a functional backup player that can play a few different positions. So the overall window was solid. It was pretty much the bare minimum for what they needed, I think, to make the squad some way better. I think what is running parallel to that is... The fact that, again, he's talking about this being a work in progress. You know, the, the fact that when he first arrived, he said that he didn't have the players to play the expansive way that he wanted to. And now you could argue he does because he has Miguel Almiron, Alan Samaxaman, Ryan Fraser, Callum Wilson. That's just a front four there that he could pick from. Then you've got players like Jacob Murphy, who's fairly attack-minded, Jamal Lewis, who wants to get forward. There are players within this group that want to create, that want to get forward, that want to attack. And yet there have been games that I think the, the toughest one for me to watch was probably Newport County in the Cup where they just looked devoid of anything. Like they, they smashed Morecambe in the previous round. But so much of that was just a case of an individual moment of brilliance rather than they carved them open in a decimating and, and devastating way. So I think that is is possibly the the pearl in the oyster here is that too often it feels like with Steve Bruce, the success is brought about by an individual moment of brilliance rather than I constructed it to give you this moment. Whereas I think that's usually the case with, with most managers in the Premier League. And there is on that, there is this interesting trend. There is this interesting pattern of pundits backing Steve Bruce, I think. Most recently at the weekend, Paul Merson and, and Roy Keane speaking out in favour, you know, putting forward this idea that Steve Bruce can only set up his team and can only play this way. He doesn't have the players to play attacking football. Newcastle fans are, are deluded to have any hope or have any demand of playing in a more expansive way. But as you've just said, is there not a, a realistic expectation given the squad that Newcastle have to have a more entertaining style. I mean, when you look back at Rafa Benitez, I think the stat that's, that's often pointed to is in his final 16 games in charge, Newcastle picked up the fifth highest number of points, the fifth highest number of goals. And that was even before the addition of some of these exciting attacking players. Do you think Newcastle fans are entitled to, to expect more given the squad in front of Steve Pritt? There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, in, in terms of the squad that they have, but also I think football fans in general should be not should not be dissuaded from wanting attacking and or expansive football I think certainly there are exceptions to that based on you know so you've just been promoted to the Premier League with a small budget or what have you but I just think there's this odd tone of of condescension that I don't necessarily appreciate with some of the discourse I see around it you know Roy Keane talking about they've been boring for a while etc etc and I think that's the other thing is that for me it feels like when when Rafa Benitez was putting out an ultra defensive side at home to Man City to get hope, hope to get a result that he hoped would minimise the impact on their goal difference. He was castigated and, and criticised heavily. Steve Bruce doesn't go into the game with the same intention, but gets a similar result or sometimes a worse result, and nothing is really said. He's kind of pulled away from the situation in terms of responsibility, and I just think you know what actually. The, the stat you talked about there before in terms of the fifth highest point, the back end of that season, Rafa Benitez's last season, they started to play some really beautiful stuff. Um, was there a, a stubbornness sometimes to his tactics? Absolutely. And it wasn't always expansive, but I think you could slowly see him introducing the building blocks for that goals against Huddersfield away spring to mind. There was uh, a one against Cardiff from Shaw in general, Fabian Shaw's emergence as this ball playing libero type was an example of Benitez's desire to try and make this team more exciting, more attacking, more dynamic. And sure, you know, we could give Bruce the same amount of time, but the problem is he came in with, the remit of this is what I'm going to do from day one. That wasn't what Benitez's plan was. It was to get them up first. And equally, I think, honestly, direct comparisons between the two now in general are a bit pointless because so much of the squad has changed. They've got Joe Linton, this £40 million striker, Sir Maximin. Perez has gone. Rondon has gone. It's not the same team in my eyes. It's a different team. And so even if I just assess Bruce on what he has done in the time that he has been there, I just don't think it's deserving credit. This was someone that I saw on social media last year being tipped for manager of the year. And I'm like, based on what though? You know, to be to be really brutal about it, like based on what? Because <clears throat> I just think, unfortunately, that if I'm being quite candid about it, I think a lot of the pundits who are talking about this are not watching them week to week. They're just not. And they're seeing a friend of theirs, someone they know, someone they like. And... They're struggling to 
I'm trying to think of a polite way to say this, but I think they are seeing results and points totals and not seeing the pathway for criticism with that because why would you if he's winning games and picking points up? Do you, do you think that pattern of pundits and the media almost putting forward this idea of of Newcastle fans should be grateful for what Steve Bruce is is doing for this club, the results that, that he's getting? That seems to extend and go back a number of years. There's almost this idea that Newcastle fans don't realise how good they've got it. What? Why is that a kind of a, a myth? Or why is that a, a viewpoint that's being put forward, do you think, in the media? Well, I think, I think, honestly, it extends back to Kevin Keegan and someone that when he came into the football club, he, I think, came with an ambition, but also a mentality of you, the supporters, should never apologise for being ambitious with this football club because it's a massive football club. And you can find examples of that when they got promoted and he talked about actually attacking the league and going at it, but also even very small things like when they signed Alan Shearer and him saying, I don't want to make comment now we're on tour in Asia. I want to wait until we get home and we're with our people because it's their money that they've spent and put into the club that's helped fund this. So they, they, I think just because of the nature of the Premier League, a lot of the identity of the clubs that were in there were crystallised in that moment. And Newcastle is no different. So to me, yeah, it's the club that is ambitious because it has this huge stadium, it has this vibrancy and this passion to it. And at least for me, my defining moments of, of supporting the club in the early years were then being ambitious and going after it. And I think what I find difficult to stomach a little bit is we were told that we were too ambitious when we were expecting to try and get into Europe and the Champions League. Now we're being told we're too ambitious for even aspiring to get into the top half and want more than what we've got now. It's, it goes back to what I said before. It, it has a tone of condescension to it that I think is just very hard to stomach because it's probably poorly timed with everything that happened with the takeover and, and the al- alleged reports that some of the top six expressed the fact that they didn't want it to go through. I think it furthers some of the, you could argue conspiracies, but some of the sentiment that there is a hierarchy and you have to know your place. And that's not what football is about. And I think in a lot of ways, that's what that Keegan team represented. It was about destroying that convention and going up and attacking and and just building on ambition on ambition. And obviously looking beyond the pitch, at the ownership situation, it seems a lifetime ago we were talking about Newcastle potentially being taken over by a Saudi Arabian-backed investment fund. That deal, that consortium and their takeover did, of course, fail. It did, of course, fall apart. Um, but the question marks are still there and the uncertainty is still there, Chris. I, th- I think at the minute, it's uh, at a very delicate position because some supporters have written to the Premier League about anti-competition law. Um, the last, I think, I heard based on purely on press reports, just to be clear, this is not some kind of inside source I have or anything, is that they are having talks behind the scenes with view to a potential court case um, 
just based on the way that the Premier League handled it and and everything to to do with that because I think Mike Ashley and those attached to him feel as if they have a strong case um, based, I imagine, on something to do like anti-competition where there hasn't been a legitimate reason for this not to to go through. And I use legitimate in a, a kind of awkward way because I think I've been my thoughts on the, the whole thing pretty clear. There's also been reports and some suggestion in the past couple of weeks that a previous group who bid to take over Newcastle have now turned their attentions to Derby County. So, yeah, this is where it gets a bit complicated. That is the chap who first tried to buy Newcastle. So there was originally a Saudi prince mm. that worked with Amanda Staveley to try and engineer a takeover. That fell through. So she then went and organized another takeover with the PIF, which is linked to a much higher rung of the, the Saudi Arabian uh, state, I guess you would say. Mm. I'd say that would be a tough pill to swallow for Newcastle fans if one of the previous failed takeover attempts did sail through <laughs> at Derby County. I can't imagine that would be would be great news for Newcastle fans. I, I, do, I, do, I must say, I don't know if uh, PCP Capital Partners, who is Staveley's uh, company, are involved in the Derby one. Um, I had seen that the same prince is, um, and look from my experience with Sunderland, the EFL test is not a difficult one to to to, to pass. I think you just have to turn up with a pen um, mm. and you pass it. So, yeah, I, I I would imagine that should go through, barring anything catastrophic. So, unfortunately, no signs of Mike Ashley's reign at Newcastle ending anytime soon. I I think so. I mean. This is the thing. There's there's so many whispers about this situation in terms of the the consortium setting a deadline for the end of the year for you know they've hired this very prominent sports lawyer to oversee things for them. People interpreting pictures he's posted of him making bread during lockdown, and you can see there's three slices, and this means it. And it, it's it quickly jumped the shark, I think, because people are just desperate to maybe live in hope a little bit um, because I think as the thing with this is, and I've said this for minute one, Mike Ashley will absolutely want 300 million during a pandemic when the high street is suffering. That is a dream to him. So I think he will fight tooth and nail and potentially even use the deposit he received just for the talks to fund some kind of legal challenge because he is desperate for this to go through. Um, and I think for that reason, unfortunately, uh, if you were after a conclusion, I think you're going to be waiting until uh, January at the earliest to get it. Just to finish then, I mean, regardless of all of those complicated, bigger picture questions, what are your sort of your hopes and expectations for for Newcastle this season? Is, is it as many pundits are predicting a, a nice, safe mid-table finish and... You should be happy enough with that. Um, yeah, I think I think it's difficult. I would. I think I've really struggled with this lately because there is a sense of I think inevitability about the takeover that makes me think that it may go through. And if that is the case, and and there's nothing you can do about it, the hope you have to have is well, they stay up, and then 
the new owners bring in their own management team. I know they've talked about Pochettino and Allegri and all this stuff, but just some kind of different management team. Um, if we are to assume that it doesn't go through, yeah, some kind of stability would be nice so they can attract more players of, of a higher calibre. But even then, you know, there's a, as I said this recently, there's a point where just throwing in better players stops having an impact against, say, a Ralph Hasselhoff or someone that's genuinely organised it and, you know, got some kind of real structure to the, their play. Um, and I think as long as I focus on the short term, yes, yeah, surviving would be nice, but I think the long term, it goes back to what it's been for, you could argue, the last three-ish years since they came up, which is it has to be more than that. Like, it's not... It can't just be about surviving. You know, when you see a team like Leeds come up and, and attack the league with such aggression, that aggression that I talked about under Keegan, it can't just be that we're happy to be here. That's not really football for me. And it's not really what I think of with Newcastle United. It's That's a much different mentality to, to what I'm used to and what I would hope from my football club. Chris, it's been a pleasure to speak to you about football, as always. Um, where can the, the good people where can the listeners find more of you uh, occasionally at the front three twitter account or at k-h-e-n-e-a-g-e Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 